welcome to Tinfoil Hat in 2021. Let's go deep! Tinfoil Hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. From the fountains of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional the gang's all here. Sitting in this whole weekend is uh, just for the week. It's Xavier Guerrero. Uh-huh. What's up? Because you guys know I demoted him <laughs> for uh, 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 making a chick with a fat, gorgeous ass a local celebrity. So for the whole week, he's just sitting in. He's no longer co-host for the week. He's sitting in. Joining uh, me is my co-host. Johnny Woodard, everybody. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. What, Johnny? He I went don't. too far. Did he go too far? Or yes, did... everyone agrees she had a great ass and it was a pimp move, okay? okay? But we can't just be throwing out local celebrities, everybody. <laughs> like, everyone's a local celebrity. She is a tinfoil hat fan. Okay, all right. Have... You're still on probation, though. I, I got... I, I, as soon as I saw that, I sent it to Sam. I was like, XG's living the life. <laughs> living the life, bro. You're living my that... young life. I'm too old. I just want to sleep. <laughs> So, uh, Xavier Guerrero, how is We Don't Smoke the Same? Is uh, it burning up the charts? Oh, yeah. We're rocking and rolling. Uh, it's been a good show. We had a New Year's special edition, so we partied live till 12 o'clock. You can check that out. That just released on YouTube. So, check it out on any podcast app, any check us out. Dude, I celebrated New Year's. Uh, I celebrated East Coast New Year's at 9 and was in bed by 10. <laughs> That's how I am, is, dude. Is that the first New Year's where it was a... Uh, Early Sam? Yeah. I mean because the year the 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 year before that, last year, twenty nineteen, I was doing what the comedy store called the cycle. I did all three rooms in one night. And uh of course Luis Gomez, who I love with all my heart, hey dude, you gotta close it out. I'm like, why am I closing out the Legion of Skank show? Because they're partying. Because no, because you and I I'm not gonna say what he said, but he gave me a very nice compliment. Oh, but awesome. so um so, yeah, so that's what it was. So I stayed up last year, and then this year it's like, I, I'm just going to go to bed, man. I, what am I doing? I'm a dad. I like to sleep. Well, most people did that this year, so don't feel too yeah. don't feel Speaking bad. of the store, did you catch that ghost thing that was on Travel Channel yesterday or two days ago? Yeah, a lot of – I had mixed emotions about – well, you know, so supposedly the guy was a big Brody Stevens fan, and he's like, Brody, are you there? So, I mean – the lights flickered, yeah. According to them. See, I love how Johnny don't believe that shit. Don't want to believe it. <laughs> Whoa, no, no, no. No, I, no, I'm not. I'm in on Ghost. Dude, I go deep on that. Like, for real. Yeah. But, no, I'm just curious what you think, bro. Because like, uh, one thing that I, I, I told thought you, was I've bad. i stuff there. One thing that I thought was a little disingenuous and it may, or dishonest, and it made me think that maybe they're playing tricks the rest of them, was when they just casually mentioned that Bobby Lee saw that seance, which we know that seance was fucking what's his name doing the Annie Kaufman you know it was like Lily Tomlin and some people doing this funny sort of trying to get Annie, Andy Kaufman yeah like to Con, talk. what's the guy's yeah. name uh, Bob Zamuda yeah it was Bob Zamuda and those guys doing 
you know, an Andy Kaufman seance. Yeah. And that's Bobby Lee having to see that. We I've know seen that, ghosts though. there, Johnny, just so I, you know. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people have. Yeah, I have. So I was interested in that. You know, I thought it was fascinating. I got my own opinions. I don't know why of all the comics that work the comic store, they, they use Jay Moore. I don't understand that <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. You know, I just don't get it. I don't get why they use Jeffrey Ross either. I don't get that. And that's for a whole different reasons. But, yeah. you know, it's just like there's some people live and die by that place. Like Freddie Lockhart's got a great fucking story about seeing a table fucking fly. Well, and who is, somebody's got one about the chairs like stacking themselves up to. Yeah. That? Well, Carla Bow, uh, Carla Bow is going through some stuff right now. Thoughts and prayers may pull through it. Um, Carla Bowen's a story about he's, he was doing stand up and like, it like there were ghosts everywhere. Like everybody was still, there's ghosts everywhere. And he's like, ghosts be gone. And like, wait, that sounds just like what Jay Moore said though. Oh, is that? That's literally the tale Jay Moore said. Jay Moore said he was on stage and everybody froze like, and nobody was laughing. Oh, that's Carla Bowen's story. And he said, ghosts be gone. Jay That's Carla Bow's that. story, and then, by the way. Then everything just they laughed and yeah. went back to normal. Johnny, have you ever been to the basement? That's Carla Bow's story. I'm not even kidding. Are you you're sure of this? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Hey, have you been to the basement, Johnny? Oh yeah, dude. It's yeah, we did our podcast there, there for yeah, the first three years I was dude, here. Dude, we've yeah. seen orbs there. Yeah, it's creepy yeah, down we've, there. We've seen shit down there. You won't even know how to get there if you I, don't it's know. It's funny though, because I never I never got any bad vibes. I was down there alone a lot, like in the, especially the first year we were here, and I I don't know, man. I never got any. It, I thought it was funny how when they filmed downstairs, they never showed like the finished part of it where the nice studio is. They just showed that shitty area <laughs> where they got shit thrown up on the sides. You know, that looks like it's God like a fallout shelter. Dude, I've heard I, I shit. Thought Jeff, Jeff Scott being on there was cool, though. It was oh, cool yeah, scene. Jeff Scott is uh, a staple there. You know, with the Showtime thing was so well done. You know, uh, you know, Mike Binder crushed it. You know, getting thirty pounds of comedy into a ten pound bag. I would have liked to see Jeffrey Ross. I, I mean, Jeff, uh, Jeff Scott in there. I can think of some things I could have cut back on to put Jeff Scott in <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Scott would have been nice. That's, the, that's my biggest uh, Maybe thing. that little but he did. I mean, like, the, like, it's so good that the comedy store. I mean, like, that doc was so insanely good. And then this thing, you know, I just, I'm sad that the store can't reap the benefits of being uh, open and sucks. being more packed than it was. Sucks, man. It sucks. Uh, anyways, guys, uh, a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, you know, I, I, I got a lot of, uh, listen, man, uh, I have a lot of podcasts and a lot of people know that I have a broken simulation podcast with Johnny. We're setting up a regular schedule of that. Yes. That's going to be out. We're, we're going to do some, uh, we interesting a, changes on that Christmas one that's out too. If you want a Christmas slash new year's uh, special that's out, if you want to check that people out, people love it. YouTube.com about it slash Sam Tripoli comedy. I talk about everybody that I, uh, I, um, I would fight for charity. Yeah, he got, he's got a hit list of guys. We, and we'll be updating that periodically. So uh, Then, um, uh, so uh, check out the Union of the Unwanted as well. That's uh, where it's basically like a super group of conspiracies where uh, all these, uh, all your favorite alternative uh, media researchers all come on and they all discuss. We just did UFO and disclosures on that. We got a European one coming up. We're doing a cryptid one, Bitcoin, uh, all that stuff. It's all your favorite podcasters and researchers all under uh, one roof with the Grind America guys. Whitney Webb's been on it. Uh, you name it, uh, they've all been on there. So check that. It's the Union of the Unwanted. Uh, I now have to announce my brand new podcast. It's called Cash Daddies. Okay. 
I love, dude, I love that name, man. I saw it on your schedule. I was like, what is Cash Daddies and how do I watch that? Cash Daddies is my new investment shell because I don't know anything about investing. And like, I was sitting there going, hey, dude, let's, you know, it's like, like you got all these internet rich people, right? You're like, your podcast is doing well. You got some money coming in. Like, I mean, if you are looking to sponsor, we are looking for new sponsors. Yeah, so well, always. Go yeah. Sp- if you like to watch Mexicans smoke weed <laughs> and you think that brand is yours, go check it out. Okay. Yes, hit me I, up. I hit him up. Hit Xavier Grow up. Hit Johnny up. They I'll got- wear, I'll wear anything you want me to on camera. Uh, or wear nothing what's at all. What's the price, I'll Johnny? Tattoo. Johnny, how much does that cost yeah, to what's get the you price? to wear nothing Stop, yeah. at all? Because I'm willing to get that GoFundMe going. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. Just know it's out there. Put out a number. The swarm is thirsty. <laughs> it's okay? a lot, but it's not as much as you might think. So okay. I'll just say that. That's what I like. That should be on a T-shirt. But what's Cash Daddies? Cash Daddies is a, uh, an investment show for everybody, but in particular, internet-rich people. Okay? Like, you know, Patreon, uh, YouTubers, only fans like these chicks like are you know it's like you're making all this money shoving bats in your ass take some of that ass bat money and put it in an ira uh, <laughs> buy some bitcoin some digital currency right like spread it around so you know the key is and i think this is very important for a lot of cultures to get into investment because then you start having your money work for you Work hard for money and then have, have have your money work hard for you. And that is what Cash Daddy's about. Take control of your future. Take control of your future, man. You're like Bitcoin's blown up. You know, you're get try into to take that. Phone calls? What? You're going to try to take phone calls like advice and stuff? Maybe down the line. I don't know. I'm more controlled on that. That'd but, be cool. You know, and then uh, go check out my Patreons. Go to patreon.com slash hat. That is uh that is cooking with gas three a week of uh, some AMAs and then whatever is a hot topic. I just broke down Lynn Woods tweets that are going on. A lot of crazy shit is going on. Guys, we are entering conspiracy Christmas right now. Okay, <laughs> this week is going to be the best. One of us is gonna make money and one of us is about to go broke. I think that's really why man, you're gonna move I, out of your place because you, you're not gonna have rent. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna owe me so many apologies. I, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. So check that out. My show with Brian Callen called the Conspiracy Social Club, uh, aka Deep Waters. That is available as you well. Had his dad on. Huh? We had our dad on. I I find it absolutely hilarious that there are people out there that think I. Was was going to get in an argument with my good friend's dad. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you almost had him walk out right out the beginning. Yeah, right out the gate. He's <laughs> ready to go. Shit. He's ready to go. You know? But it's like, that's not me, man. Now, when I do the do the Brian Callen show that hopefully tomorrow, I'm going to light Brian up because I respectfully, with all due respect and love, disagree with a lot of stuff that Big Mike said. Doesn't mean I don't like him. Doesn't mean he he I'm a shill or he's a shill. I'm just not raised like that to be di- like. If your parents walk in, I'd show mm-hmm. them nothing but love and respect. There's no there's no reason. That's what they want us to do. They want us to be at war with each other. You know when we disagree on things. But the only way to to reach people is to listen and, and be civil. And it's just like it's a comedy show between two good friends. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just meant to be fun. It's yeah. crazy. And like a lot of you guys are like, you're a shill. Tell me what I'm shilling for and what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, if he's a shill, he's the worst shill. The Believe worst me. shill ever. What am I shilling for? <laughs> Fucking Groupon tickets? Like, like it's like makes no everything is like earned, man. There's nothing. How many podcasts I, do you have? I have, dude. <laughs> so I'm going to break this down like this. 
Listen to we me. We tried to count them punch drunk. We got up to like eight, I think, like total, including like the YouTube shows, like uh, the cooking show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is hot. So basically, caveman, they say, worked about 15 hours a week, they said. A week? A week. A caveman. Caveman. Just getting some meat. That was like me in college. Getting, getting meat call, and then a couple bangings, and then you hang out with a stick so the animal doesn't go. Yeah, because what can you do once the sun goes down? Right? Caveman day. Yeah, so yeah. you're chilling, you're talking shit, that's it. I'm about that. That's what I'm doing in podcasting. I think that's not bad. No. But I enjoy all of it. I enjoy it. And, you know, I got I got a couple things from my dad, probably a cri- crippling sex addiction. But I also got, <laughs> I also got uh, you know, um, I also got, you know, a work ethic. My dad had 90 jobs. My mom had a lot of work. She was going to school and she was doing that. My dad the same way. You know, and I, um, and I, so I work a lot of jobs, man. I'm doing catch up. You know, I'm like, I'm blessed. I, I, I like the, 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 the business model finally has fit my skill set. Well, also I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. What are you finally, are you feeling like now that you've kind of reached your audience? You know what I mean? That you got to get milk it while it's there. You know what I mean? Like reach the people while they're there to be reached. You know? Yeah. But In it's case, also like, like they could take this all away from us at any time. Like this technology. I, don't, I just feel like the government could just like fuck. I mean, like it's definitely it possible. Yeah. It's definitely possible. But we also know data is king, and they, they so it's like data is the new oil, and they they need it. And maybe they'll switch the internet. It's possible. Maybe I'm in a FEMA camp. Either way, I'm going out <laughs> banging, dog. I'm going out banging. But it's like I create podcasts about two things because I never want to work. What I love talking about: punch drunk, conspiracies, right? Punch. Punch Drunk. Oh, yeah. Check out Punch Drunk. Me, Johnny, and Jason Tebow. It's a great sports podcast. Yes. And we talk sports. I know sports is rigged, but, you know, I still love talking about it. Yeah. I mean, people talk about WWE. It's We know it's scripted. Yeah. You can watch it. And then I, I, I either do what I love about what I love and then what I uh, what I want to learn. Spirituality Zero on Rockfin. Go check that out on Rockfin. R-O-K-F-I-N.com. And uh, Zero and... Uh, that's been cooking with gas. And then, uh, you know, I, I want to learn about finances. I'm not interested really in, in stock markets, but I want to know about gold and silver and Bitcoin. And I, I know the IRA is kind of uh, part of that, but like, you know, housing and, uh, you know, uh, fucking getting. Speaking of Bitcoin, well, how you doing, Sam? How's oh, that, he's how's doing that good. Going? Look at him. <laughs> yeah, but it's looking like it's going back down, which I'm fine with. Because everyone's like, sell, sell. I'm like, no, nah, I'm running this thing for a while. That's the move, the long haul. Yeah. The long haul. Yeah. So uh, that's it. If you want to support the show, we got some brand new T-shirts out. I can't. I don't see it on the website at this moment, but it will be Trumpzilla shirts. Wait till you see this that's one. That's a good one. It's on fire. So it's a great way to support the show. Trumpzilla. Uh, we got uh, Swarm Troopers. Uh, if you love the Mandalorian, you'll love Swarm Troopers. And, uh, yeah, dude, that's it, man. Go check that out. And then we got cups, mugs, hats at tinfoilhatswag.com. Uh, so tinfoilhatshirts.com is where you get the T-shirts. Tinfoilhatswag, where you get the cups. All that will soon be on samtriplee.com. So enjoy the show. We got a great show. How This show, we got uh, Chris newbie on and she's talking uh bioweapons from the government it is i gotta be honest with you man it's one of the best episodes we've done and like about 45 minutes in i'm like oh my god this is almost too much for me i can't it's almost too much it was it was a great episode it's a great way to kick up kick off 2021 i love you all i hope you had a great uh new year happy new year and enjoy the show
All right, let's get into it. Man, this is a great conversation. What a, a wonderful kickoff 2021 show to do. Uh, our guest is an engineer, and she's a science and tech writer. She has a book called The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Bioweapons. Please welcome Chris Newby. How are you? Good. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm an engineer by training. I have two engineering degrees, including a master's from Stanford. And uh, I designed computers for a while, and then I moved over to tech writing and marketing. And so I've been doing that for 20 years or so. And my latest job was at Stanford Medical School. I was a science writer um, explaining all things medical. And uh, I got into the world of tick-borne diseases and um, how they've been used. Ticks and other insects have been used as weapons in, in the past. Uh, when, I, when I went to Martha's Vineyard with my family and my husband and I got bitten by ticks and uh, had two horrible tick-borne diseases that took us about six years to recover from. And oh that's how God. Lyme disease became my favorite disease. Oh, my God. It's incredible. <laughs> so I shot something uh, recently for the CW. Uh, it was in uh, New York. Where where did I go? Do you guys remember? Uh, Montauk, wasn't it? Yeah, Montauk. I was in Montauk. And, we, you know, we would go to the base they had at Montauk. And there were signs everywhere about, you know, watch out, ticks. You know, and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not going out there getting a tick because, you know, we were hearing all these crazy stories. And I'm so excited to talk about this because it's like I don't think people realize the deaths that science and, and the government and our intelligence agencies have gone to basically create bioweapons. And it's almost out of like insane movies that like you would think like oh here are insects these are weapons you're like come on dude what are you what are you watching you know Star Wars was this the Mandalorian no dude this is like real stuff so uh, where do you want to start Chris where would you like to begin you want to how about this let's start at what is Lyme disease what is Lyme disease okay Lyme disease is uh, a bacterium that's sort of like a corkscrew shape. And uh, it's transmitted by the bite of a tick to mammals, including humans. And uh, when the tick bites you, it re releases, uh, in, through its saliva, it releases a numbing agent and an agent that suppresses your immune system for about a week. And so the Lyme spirochetes, when the, the warm blood rushes into the belly of the tick, it regurgitates uh, the spirochetes, they enter your body. They are uh, bacterium that uh, go to immune-protected sites in your body, so your brain and uh, maybe joints where you have a lot of scar tissue and your immune system can't get too, too well. So um, one thing everybody agrees in, if you treat the Lyme disease really early on with a simple antibiotic like doxycycline, you can get over it, uh, no problem. Uh, the complications arise that... Uh, if you don't treat it soon, the Lyme disease and whatever diseases might have been in the belly of the tick can, can make you go on to get chronically ill. And given that sometimes you don't 
see a tick right away. Um, they've been on the earth for millions of years and they're good at uh, being sneaky and getting a stealth blood meal. You know, they might bite you on your backside or under your hairline, like it did me and you won't see it. And so you don't know it's Lyme disease. The tests don't work in the first month very reliably. So you can go on to get this sort of messy chronic disease that my husband and I got. And uh, it can be really hard to get over it. Oh my God. This is so crazy. This is so crazy. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I've ever tried. And that is the truth. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective neutral ha- nutritional habits and give you the body the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods. This is where Athletic Greens can help. The daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essentials, okay? It is by far the easiest, most delicious habit you will can add to your healthy routine today and empower you to take ownership of your health. Listen, guys, I'm not kidding when I tell you. I eat this thing every morning, and it is super booster. I love it. It tastes great. And listen, dude, I've been a dumpster fire of health, okay? <laughs> I mean, I got the COVID-19, 19 pounds. That's what I've gotten since COVID started, okay? Yeah. I've gained a lot of weight, and I'm now taking it back. 2021 is when I start to get in shape, and I can't recommend Athletic Greens enough, okay? And right now, Athletic Green is doubling down on supporting your immune system with during the winter months, okay? They are offering my audience first one-year supply of vitamin D and and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You basically never have to buy vitamin D again. You hear that, ladies? Getting some of that D for free from Tripoli. That's what we're talking about, okay? All right? So whether you're looking for peak performance for better health, covering your bases with athletic greens makes investing in your energy immunity and your gut health each day simple tasty and effective okay simply visit athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil and join health experts athletes health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day okay again go to athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil and get your free year of vitamin d and five free travel packets today that's athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil hat enjoy the show so 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 lyme disease now is lyme disease did it ever exist before or is this simply a man-made uh a disease a man-made weapon has it or has it always uh, yeah, existed yeah. in some form? Uh, no, Lyme disease, is, Lyme disease itself has been around. Uh, I mean, the earliest sample we saw was in uh, a frozen ice man from the last ice age in the in the European Alps. So it's been around a while. Uh, what my research in my book Bitten found is that. Uh, and it's well known through CDC, is there was a strange outbreak in the late 1960s around Lyme, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, and then also in Wisconsin. So uh, this strange new disease that appeared, um, according to the 
public releases it's caused by this spirochete. It took about 10 years to identify it. And then, uh, uh, so, so it, a new, th- actually the book finds that there were three freaky new tick-borne diseases that showed up in the late sixties. So the premise of my book is that that wasn't a natural appearance of three crazy germs in the, in the New York area. Uh, it was the result of man-made experiments related to the biological weapons program. Lyme itself, I couldn't prove that that was weaponized. I know they they played around with this kind of bacteria early on in the 50s in developing new weapons, but it was never seriously deployed. But I go into other uh, sort of accidents and uncontrolled open-air experiments with ticks because they were trying to weaponize ticks. Uh, and I, my theory is that uh, that program with accidents and experiments caused massive ecological disruption that fueled this epidemic that started 60s, 70s, and on to today. So I, I, I call that those Cold War biological weapons programs, you know, whatever accidents happened, it's, it's resulted in an American Chernobyl because that disruption in the ecosystem has lasting effects. It's just it's it's really unbelievable because you know World War Two we you, you know we see the fall of Germany we see our government uh, you know Project Paperclip we see a bunch of Nazis basically we talk about here all the time you know the U S Britain Russia all all uh, basically had a Nazi draft they picked their favorite Nazis they brought them over and. Uh, so we see some crazy experiments starting to happen. And here we are, you know, I mean, obviously that was the 40s and then they bring them over. So the 40s, 50s, and then we get in the 60s, uh, we start seeing this like kind of like mutation of Lyme disease and, and, and bioweapons. And like, is it uh, your belief that did did it just get away from them or like did they release this on a certain population to see what the results were going to be or what what are your thoughts of how do we get from a, a laboratory to to uh you know modern day where you find you, you and your husband are affected to it with it uh, i i would categorize it as a series of unfortunate events you know sort of a perfect storm of experiments where there's no ecological oversight. And, and then in some cases there's incompetence or, you know, uh, unintended consequences. So, I mean, the, the big things that my book Bitten finds are that, um, first of all, in the 50s, there were experiments by the lead ticket um, scientist, Willie Bergdorfer, who came over from Switzerland to Montana. He, he was stuffing ticks, fleas, and mosquitoes with dangerous germs, seeing which ones would stick. And then, so he would, you know, he'd get directions from Fort Detrick, which was the offensive biological weapons program in Maryland. They'd say, Willie, uh, we just found this really deadly uh, yellow fever virus. See if you can put it in mosquitoes and package it in a bomblet so that we can drop it on our enemies. So he would do the initial feasibility experiments uh another one was he would take ticks and he got (laughs) he would take glass pipettes ram it in the ticks mouth and then pour in 
a bunch of diseases, rabies, rabies didn't stick in the tick, so that was off the table, you know, um, Venezuelan equine encephalitis, um, you know, spirochete diseases, uh, tularemia, which is rabbit fever. And, and then, you know, he would report back to Dietrich, okay, I have samples of ticks that carry this disease. And then the Dietrich people would optimize it for weaponizations for whatever the Pentagon's objectives were for an operation. So I would say um, a lot of the scientists at, at Dietrich and in Montana at the Rocky Mountain Lab, they were very careful and they followed safety protocols. But once it was in the field, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> and then within Fort Dietrich, there was a small unit called um, Special Operations Division, and then it was called Technical Services Division. And that was a little pocket of CIA. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Sid Gottlieb was, and he developed sort of the Manchurian candidate things. It's where the poison dart gun was and the shellfish poison that this, all these CIA sort of black Heart arts. attack gun probably came out of there. You know, yeah, just yeah. like all that crazy shit going on. So when you hear, like, and we're going to stay on the subject, but, you know, when I'm listening to you talk about these scientists and, you know, we're in this era right now, which uh, we on the show, we're talking about scientism is this new religion that seems to be out there of the elites, you know, they're, oh, I'm an atheist, but, you know, <laughs> believe all scientists and all that stuff. It's, it's like, what? Did you talk to anybody when you did this book uh, that were any uh, involved in any of this? And like, I would love to know. Like, you're you go to school, you study, you take this oath. I, well, I guess they're not doctors, but you go to school, you want to become a scientist, and now, according to you, they're shoving glass pipes down uh, little bugs' mouths and trying to see if they'll take like <laughs> Ray. I mean, like. How, how do you go home to your wife and kids after that and just, like, sleep at <laughs> night? Like, I'm the guy that shoves diseases into little <laughs> bugs. Like, wh wh where, where'd you go wrong in your life? Like, how do you do that? It's just such an interesting thing, man. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of shocking. Like, what level of human being? Did you talk to anybody involved in any of this? Yeah, I mean, I had hundreds of interviews. And then my main character, Willie Bergdorfer, um, I got special access to a lot of his, first of all, his official NIH documentation. Wow. And then he hid some of his secret stuff. And he gave that to a friend for putting in um, a Utah archive, the secret stuff, as he was dying. He, he was re really sick towards the end of his life with Parkinson's symptoms, which he believes could have been Lyme disease. So in the process of proving that Lyme disease caused this disease in Connecticut, he um, had infected rabbit urine splash in his eye and he, he got Lyme at that time. He got oh sick. my God. That's like out of a movie. Yeah, like, so, I mean, the thing that attracted me to this story man. besides caring about tick diseases is this tragic character of Willie Bergdorfer who studied medical zoology in Switzerland. His dream was to cure people of horrible diseases that were carried by ticks, mostly from Africa, soft body ticks that are creepy looking. They look like raisins with eight little black legs uh, and they're fast feeders. But anyways, he wanted to cure. And then he, uh, there was a bad incident where he had a bad breakup with a girl who oh, mm. worked in the lab and he sort of wanted to, leave town so he took this really promising job in 1951 
at Rocky Mountain Labs as part of the U.S. Biological Weapons Program because we were playing catch up with what the Germans were doing and we were, we being the U.S., were afraid of Russia starting their own program because of the Nazis they captured and stealing the German secrets. So Willie was hired as part of that catch-up game, and that's why he started refining the insect stuff. But what was interesting about him is, you know, he moved to Montana. He fell in love with the lab because even as a young researcher, he could have his own lab and assistance and yeah, he had to do these assignments with the biological weapons program, but he could also work on his side, pro- his own projects on the side. And was that you know, a band? Was he in a band? Well, he's like, okay, you know, I'm a scientist <laughs> bug guy, but really, I think this band is going to take off, and that's going to be my main thing is being a band guy. It's almost like he's, uh, it's almost like he's the bizarro version of Spider Man, right? Tick like, Man, he's Tick Man. Yeah, he's like the opposite of that, where it's like it just went bad fast. The sad Peter crazy. Parker. Yeah. So, what were some of his side projects? Sorry to cut you off. I'm going to get yelled at, but uh, sorry about that. Well, well uh, he always liked relapsing fever, and he certainly tried to weaponize that. <laughs> I mean, when he first came over from Switzerland, his official assignments were um, putting plague in fleas. Wow. Uh, so we're talking about the disease that has almost wiped out the human species several times in the history of mankind. Uh, and so he was he was trying to mass produce fleas, figure out how to do that, oh and then stuff the fleas with plague so that when you drop them from a bomblet over a battalion-sized area, they would be the, – the plague clogs their gullet, and they're, they're really – they want to puke it out. So they drop it on the ground and they immediately try to find a blood meal so they can clear out this plague. Uh, hey, hey, Chris. Hey, hey, Chris. Johnny. Yeah. Um, Johnny here. Uh, how when, when they do these things, are, are they developed with a mind to having an antidote readily available for allied troops, you know, or, or are they no. just are they doing this knowing that they risk infecting, you know, possibly an entire continent? with the plague well it's a long the weaponization of anything that's a living thing was a long process that took many years so it would start with feasibility with willie and then it would move to dietrich and it would be well can we mass produce this thing can we control it and deliver it in a bomb and then part of that was at dietrich you would develop a vaccine or an antidote for whatever it was Wow. so they had this one million liter sphere that looks like something out of Dr. No. They had submarine guys build the steel sphere and then they um, they would put animals and people in that dude. and spray in aerosolized germs. Are you hearing this, dude? It's like a big round globe. <laughs> That's amazing. This is insanity, yeah. man. It really is some James Bond. Crazy, crazy. I, like, to me, man, I, like, I wonder if like, like, you know, if you're a really huge dude, there's not a lot. You get forced kind of into these gigs, right? Where you're like, Bart, a uh, bouncer, a bodyguard, because you're so big, you got to be into like these things where violence might happen. Offensive line, right? It's like yeah. how many times do you see like a six foot seven kindergarten teacher? I'm sure they're <laughs> out there, but it's like society they, they pushes you into basketball. stuff. Yeah. I wonder if like if you're at a certain level of intelligence, right? Do you get pushed? Into these like kind of jobs. Oh, dude, they oh, yeah. show up at Harvard on job oh. fairs. Like as soon as those kids graduate, the government's right there waiting for to scoop them up. You Harvard. give them money, give them money, do this. Don't even tell them what they're really doing. Just do it. 
Dude, you're telling me there's oh, well, like so, no, it's even it's even worse than that. Because oh my god, volunteers... I thought she was gonna be like, no, yeah, it's yeah. not that bad. She's like, no, <laughs> wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, so this this happened uh, in the Korean and the Vietnam, well, mostly Korean War, but it, they had the eight ball uh, volunteers were mostly Seventh Day Adventists. It was Vietnam. So the Seventh-day Adventists Venice, um, didn't want to be involved in any kind of violence, so they were conscientious objectors in the Army, and the, the military says, well, you can be a volunteer for these vaccine trials. It's very, very safe. Oh, uh, my God. So, uh, actually, they claim that no one ever died, but there are rumors that people had long-lasting effects from, you know, they tested anthrax vaccines and well- two vaccines uh so guys i want to tell you about our friends at raycon that's right every year at the new year everyone's like new year new me what are you gonna do new this year start working out start working out giant what are you gonna do i have rededicated myself to hard work and quality audio quality audio and that's the best quality audio out there the best quality wireless earbuds are Raycons, okay? Whether you're following along the directions in the kitchen, uh, binging on your favorite audio book, which I'm really getting into, okay? While you're knitting, all right? You're listening to your audio books while you're knitting, okay? Or powering through your new workout with like this guy over mm-hmm. here, workout videos in Spanish, okay? <laughs> or pumping up your favorite playlist, Raycons can make any activity easier and a better time, okay? Raycons makes... Great sounds, accessible to everyone, okay? Their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands, okay? And guess what, all right? If, you, if you're if thinking white stems dangling out of ears looks ridiculous, which I think it does. Can we all agree? That looks like something about Mary hanging from your ears, right? <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm talking about jizz. That's what I'm talking about, okay? All right? <laughs> If you think that those look stupid, and I think they look stupid, you don't have to worry about that with Raycons, okay? They have all these stylish colors, okay? And always comfortable in-air fit for a discreet look, okay? And they, they don't just look great. They perform amazing, okay? Up to six hours of playtime. Water and sweat resistant, okay? Bluetooth capable. Pairs quickly and seamlessly, all right? So here's what's going on. Raycon because we love them, are offering 15% off all products for our listeners here, okay? You just got to go out and get it, man. Just got to go out and do it, okay? Go to buyraycon.com slash Sam. Buyraycon, B-Y-B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Sam, okay? That's it. That's simple. And you get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pier and a spare. Okay. Boom. That's 15% off buyraycon.com slash Sam. That's buyraycon.com slash Sam. Enjoy the show. Lyme disease had a vaccine. It got taken off the market. For why do you think so? Why do you think it got taken off the market? So I'm just saying Lyme disease wasn't a finalized weapon. And I don't think they tested Lyme disease in the eight ball. Um, it was an early concept that never made it down the pipeline because the Lyme disease bacterium grows really slow and you couldn't mass produce it by the ton ton in those stainless steel sort of beer brewing (laughs) tanks that were in 
Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So, but they could do that with anthrax and tularemia and some viruses like Venezuelan equine encephalitis. Do you so know you would, of any of those that have been deployed? Any of those you mentioned that have that? I mean, are there rumors that some of those have been deployed in the field? There are rumors. So, so the thing I proved in the book because I had a a um, an eyewitness who was with the CIA company who actually did this operation was he in 1962 dropped um, ticks infected with some unknown disease oh. on the Cuban sugar cane workers. Oh my it was, God. The it workers. was called Operation Mongoose Subproject <laughs> 33B. That means there were about 100 subprojects. Um, and they, it was all about um, it was the Kennedy brothers. They were pissed that we were showing up at Bay of Pigs, uh, you know, because of leaks, security leaks. It was a resounding defeat for the Americans. So it was payback. They thought, well, if we totally destroy the Cuban economy, then the people will rise up and oust Fidel Castro. And you know how that story ended. But uh, this was just, okay, um, Cuba's biggest cash crop is sugar. So what we'll do is we'll rain these poison ticks on the, sh- the workers, they'll be sick. You know, they have this kind of incapacitating, they called it incapacitating disease. Um, and and then that'll harm the sugar cane. It, they only did one pilot that I could tell. I, I found those in the documentation of that in the Kennedy assassination files on the CIA oh site. And, uh, but there were many others. I mean, part of Mongo- Pro- Project Mongoose was... Uh, let's spray Fidel Castro's wetsuit with a horrible fungus so he gets sick. Or he likes to scuba drive, so let's take a conch shell and put an explosive in Whoa. it. So that when he picks it up, he'll just... 007 <laughs> And they never got him. And, you know, that was... That was what that you remember the manager of the Marlins said that like they kept trying to take that dude out and they never got him and then that fake like people in like Miami got really mad at the at at, at the manager dude this is crazy like it's so interesting because like I, I I don't know if everybody in your life Chris is is on your level in terms of awareness and intelligence but. I mean, like, what are your Christmas parties like? What do you talk to people about? <laughs> like, what do you like? Well, I, I mean, mean, like, oh, I wouldn't eat that. You know, the government weaponized that at one point, and uh, you'll, it, you know, it's like, because, like, we, we're really in this moment of, like, trust the science, and, like, 20 minutes to talk to you, like, I, dude, I don't trust any of these dudes. Can't. Well, I worked on the book for five years, re- researched pr- pretty much the first three years, and I didn't know I, if I had enough of a story there. And then I got, you know, a videotape confession of Willie Bergdorfer saying, yeah, I think the thing I discovered in, in 1978 was, uh, it was due to a biological weapons accident. You know, he pretty much said that. And then, and then I, I found the witness who dropped the ticks and then, then it was like, okay, this is a real story, but it's, it's sort of a cocktail party conversation killer. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, man. Like I was, I was in uh, very patriotic Texas uh, with my in-laws and I started, they said, I said, oh, yeah, I've been working on a book for, you know, three years. And I said, well, what's it about? Well, it's about the biological weapons program. And this woman goes, stop, stop. I don't want to know that my government does that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's Texas. 
Yeah, I mean, like to believe that you, can, you know, it's just like to believe that this is impossible is just absolutely ridiculous. And you know, it's like it, it goes back to like I don't care whose side you're on on anything, you should question everybody all the time because there's a hi- history to that, you know. And it's just like I can't, but I cannot believe I'm still in shock that they had a. They called it the eight ball. Is that what you were saying? It and they would throw people in this human beings. I mean, we see that in like villains in fucking in like sci-fi movies doing this, and everyone's like, "Oh, that nobody would ever do that." You're like, "We did it!" Like our government, like threw people in a controlled environment and j- and threw stuff at them that could not could kill them p- painfully. Like, it's, it's some crazy shit. They've drugged them. Uh, well, I, I, I would say I had some, in the first three years of the research, I had some dark days because oh, yeah. I, my husband and I were suffering from this really chronic disabling disease. And then I realized that the Pentagon's, you know, had planned a chronic disabling disease because they said, um, you know, that way you can make people sick instead of taking up one undertaker, you take up the time of 10 healthcare workers and family and there's missed work, but you don't destroy the infrastructure like the power plants and the, the food factories and the people are still alive to teach you how to run them when your army comes in and takes over. So I would say it was just dark to think that I might be suffering from a disease that was engineered and, you know, it somehow blew back on our own soil. And so what I did in the book, too, is just talk about some of the accidents that I know happened in the program. I didn't actually find the specific accident that happened around Lyme, Connecticut, but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence and pointers to what happened. Okay. So I want to get into all that stuff that you found. Remember that point you just made. But so what what have you been feeling? What did you feel? Like you, you, so you, you believe you got bit by a tick, got Lyme disease. What, 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 what'd you go through? The actual disease? Yeah. Like, like what were some of the symptoms? What were you, you say it was, uh, you know, uh, that you were feeling the, the effects of, of a disease you believe. What, what were these effects you were feeling? Well, I think it's pretty similar to the COVID long haulers. It's fatigue, brain fog, uh, your joints hurt, your muscles hurt. Uh, you're just not, it, it creates massive long-term chronic inflammation in the capillaries of your brain. So, you know, it destroys your ability to be a normal functioning adult, I would say. Uh, you know, like I remember my, I was driving my kids to school on a street I'd driven on every day for 10 years and there was a traffic light And I couldn't remember what the green, yellow, and orange lights meant. So I just thought, I just sat there at the traffic light trying to remember. What? Slowly. Uh, So, oh my God. What's particularly frustrating for us is, you know, I'm an engineer, so I was like documenting the symptoms in this massive spreadsheet and every Ah. drug we took effect. And so the first year, we were undiagnosed for about a year. And we went to 10 doctors and it, it was $60,000, you know, in total medical costs wow, to I'm get sorry. diagnosed. And every one of those 10 doctors, I said, hey, we didn't see a tick, but we, uh, you know, we were on 
Martha's Vineyard where Lyme disease home in 2002. And so can you test for it? And the first eight doctors said, no, Lyme disease is a really rare disease. One infectious disease doctor said, well, for you and your husband to both get bitten would be like winning the lottery. Another chief of infectious disease says we had done a short course of antibiotics and it was the first time we'd felt really good in six months. And I said, we felt really good. We went, we used, we, we, we were on, you know, two weeks of antibiotics, two weeks later, all the symptoms are back and we're dying. Can I have more antibiotics? And I was, I was like crying, leaving him a message on a Friday. Oh, please give me more antibiotics. Like I was a junkie or something. And he called back and says, no, we can't treat people based on their reaction to drugs. <laughs> you know, and he refused to give us more antibiotics. Oh so, my God, why? This wasn't like an exotic drug that yeah. had bad side effects. It's like doxycycline. It's a drug that you give pimply-faced teenagers every year until they get over puberty. So oh, it's well, not also, like you chopping it up and snorting yeah. it. <laughs> also, isn't that just a, like a part of routine diagnostics is, is like seeing how someone reacts to a treatment. Yeah. And if it works, you know, probably uh, give them more of that. I mean, Jesus. Like, Christ. like, like, does, does this drug have a history of addiction? No. Like, why? No, no, no. Right. It, it just took us from being, you know, couch potatoes who could barely get up in the morning to being able to function to take care of our kids. I mean, at one point I couldn't read Harry Potter anymore. I I had short-term memory, so I would get to the end of a sentence and not remember what happened in the beginning of the sentence. So they, so, they were talking about how, how Lyme disease, um, how Lyme disease, they think there's a uh, connection to uh, Alzheimer's. Have you ever heard any of that? Yeah, there have been uh, a couple small studies, but nothing that proves that. Okay, I so, thought that were there. There was some uh, research into that that like there's a big connection that people gotten Lyme disease before had a higher rate of uh, Alzheimer's, but maybe I'm wrong. But well, it was a really small study where they took Alzheimer brains and found lots of snippets of. Borrelia DNA in the Alzheimer's brains, but it was a very small study, you know, 10 or 20 brains. So you can't, you can't say absolutely the Borrelia caused the Alzheimer's. It would be if anybody wanted to to put money in this, you know, they, it would be a logical pilot study to say, yeah, to justify that. But that's what got me into creating a documentary about Lyme disease. And then the book is because I just found it, as an engineer who like, you know, uh, likes data and cause and effect, I found it really weird that there were a lot of people like my husband and I out there that were being ignored and dismissed and they refused to give them any more than four weeks of antibiotics, you know? So the question is why I'm just curious, like, and so that's why I spent about five years on the movie and then five years on the book is more to get answers. Why is what's in the field, with these tick-borne diseases, so different than what's in the academic ivory tower medical schools and the people who publish. So there was a a huge gap uh, in what was real and what was published. And so there's a lot of politics, there's money involved, and now there's this biological weapons um, angle where there may be a cover-up involved. So it's not a simple answer. It's just sort of a lot of incentives that are leading to people being, uh, you know, swept under the rug. 
it is interesting. Like, why won't they give you more antibiotics? Is there, like, what is the purpose of Which that? Which is weird because usually they give you as much as you need. Yeah, they're you like, oh, yeah, here, have, have more, dude. Have more. I mean, you, you can get, like, what's it called? Uh, doctor hopping or doctor shopping where you just go, doctor, yeah. doctor, get more. It's just, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the only thing I can think of, uh, and you can tell me, Chris, if you think this may be what it is. I know there's been a push uh, in the medical field recently to keep people from taking, uh, you know, short courses of antibiotics for concerns about, you know, bacteria resistant. I mean, uh, 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 antibiotic resistant bacteria uh, and infections. Is that, do you think that's possibly why? Yeah, that's part of the exceptionally bad luck that tick-borne disease patients suffer from. Because just about when the tick-borne disease problem, you know, rose above the, the radar and the patients are reporting that long-term antibiotics really help. I mean, if you look at, if you had TB, yeah, you might have to take antibiotics for a year or two, but for some reason, the experts have decided two to four weeks solves it. Uh, so, and so about the time that the numbers of Lyme patients got really big is all of a sudden the hospitals were worried about superbugs and Medicare, Medicaid said, hey, hospitals, if someone suffers one of these these super bugs and dies we're not reimbursing you for all that expensive medical care so all of a sudden the hospitals got uh, oh this is going to cost us money so we need to do more prevention so they had they set up you know administrative boards to monitor the antibiotic uh you know prescription patterns of the doctors so the doctors became hesitant to you know administer those even though and because we have a fragmented medical system yeah. The specialists just care about, like, not having the admins, like, threaten to take away their hospital privileges. You know, they don't own you when you get a chronic disease and you're having to go to a rheumatologist and a neurologist and uh, all that. So that's not their problem. They just, you know, say yeah. next. I mean, like, I, I just, I, I think, like, if there's anything we got from COVID is how much our 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 health industry is just driven by dollars and it's, i mean i think we knew it but we're really seeing it right now and you know and just like this notion that kind of like i listen there's a lot of health professionals that really do care but there's a lot of of um there's a lot of like these 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 hospitals are like basically hotels where, where you get medical treatment and they want the beds full and they want to make as much money as possible and sometimes uh the best medical uh action isn't necessarily the best uh money making action and it just kind of sucks like making more hospitals they had 6 months to make more hospitals where was that money going to go? They were going to have to pay for that. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it's just like it's just like calling something COVID when maybe it isn't because you know there's fifty thousand dollars involved, right? It just it sucks. It just sucks. And so, I mean, as we get into that, has, has the government at any point taken any responsibility for past biological weapons releases at all? Have you discovered any of that? Yeah. So there's. Agent, well, this is chemical and biological. So Agent Orange, uh, the military guys who were spraying Agent Orange from helicopters and from boats, uh, they they would handle the huge 75-gallon drums. So there was a huge lawsuit against them, and there was a settlement there. Uh, 
Um, just think about what Agent and, Orange was. I mean, just think about that, man. Like, they wanted... Right, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, is... um. They basically wanted the spray so that they would basically kill all the vegetation so that the fight, the, the enemies couldn't, f- couldn't hide. hide. Like, how did you not think that was right. going to kill and just do awful things to your own soldiers? I mean, like, it's unbelievable. Dude, they don't care. Remember when they would drop the nukes in Nevada and Arizona and then they tell the soldiers to, hey, can you walk towards the fucking yeah. bomb shelter? And then these people got cancer. No one, they didn't give a fuck in the cities in Nevada. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. They've dude. been doing it. Well, dude, how many buildings do we walk into every day that have a sign on the door? It's like, hey, there's shit that gives you cancer in here, by the way. You know, I mean, when when a lot of these buildings were built, people, that there's just a different mindset, you know, towards health and safety of people die. I think people were yeah, more I, comfortable with I death. Mean, it was... It was a different mindset. I've had people say, well, Chris, that's the Eisenhower era. That was the ethos then. So Pearl Harbor was like their 9-11. And it was, we're going to pull out all the stops and do whatever it takes to defeat the enemy or the communists. And so one of the challenges I faced is I tried to find uh, witnesses to confirm rumors and uh, to explain documents is, you know, they all took a secrecy oath. And some of them, you know, um, would not talk to their grave. I mean, so I would try to develop relationships with them and convince them that, you know, it's been 50 years. What happened in the Cold War shouldn't stay in the Cold War because there are long-term health, you know, implications. I mean, people are suffering today because they released hundreds of thousands of aggressive man-biting Lone Star ticks in Norfolk, Virginia, on the Atlantic Bird Flyway. They made them radioactive so they could see how far they'd travel if they weaponized them. And, you know, two years later, we had an infestation of long, you know, lone star ticks in Long Island, and they carry new diseases, and that's part of what happened in the 60s is these lone stars came up. So, you know, I had a huge trouble getting getting classified documents out of them because this biological weapons program was as secretive as the Manhattan Project and none of the agencies are releasing these documents. Still, after all these days, I mean, you remember when Trump was going to release the uh, all the JFK Mm -hmm. stuff and they begged them not to because they said some of the people are still alive? Like, yeah, that's why we should release it so we can deal with these guys. But that's not what they want to do. They want to protect all their asses so they die safe, peacefully. It's unbelievable, man. It's just unbelievable. Now, you made some uh, some uh, pretty new discoveries uh, in your book. You had already brought up the sugar, uh, the sugar workers one. Were there some other ones like... Um, the radioactive aggressive Lone Star ticks. Can you tell us a little, little bit about that? Yeah, so that was at Old Dominion University. Uh, they were they discovered that these Lone Star ticks uh, were very hardy. You know, you could put them in a freezer for a year and they'd still crawl out. You could what? put them underwater for seventy days and they'd stay alive. Whoa. So they thought, well, this would be perfect for weaponizing for vietnam or for for um the soviet union so basically so, these ticks are the david blaine of ticks is that what you're telling me <laughs> basically yeah. everything david blaine's done these ticks have done okay sorry to cut you off that was a bad joke so, so he would take i mean the scientist 
who was funded by the Army and the Atomic Energy Commission, would take a pregnant tick you know, uh, full of eggs, and they'd inject it with a radioactive solution, pregnant. and then that tick would have about 2,000 to 3,000 eggs, <laughs> and all those baby ticks that hatched would be radioactive for life. And so uh, I talked to the scientists, and he, he said he set up this huge field and made one-meter grids, and he would release 1,000 ticks in every grid, and then he would come back every month and he would collect the ticks in each grid and he would um, take them back to the lab and he had this Geiger counter and he could tell, you know, where, how far those ticks, that wave of ticks had traveled from the center of his field. And then if it was an adult tick he collected, he would paint it with fluorescent paint. And then he would take those thousand ticks or whatever he collected in each grid and replace them in the grid where he'd left, where he'd collected them. So what you had is basically six years of radioactive ticks being released on the Atlantic bird fly zone. So these are migrating birds that go from South America, past the Caribbean, up to Canada. And so they would carry these radioactive ticks. Now, the thing is, uh, Willie Bergdorfer, who worked on ticks his whole life, said there's no such thing as a clean tick. So the question I have is, did he really know that these were clean ticks without diseases, you know? And then the second thing is, well, when you make a tick radioactive, um, are you going to create mutations in the germs that the ticks collect over the years? So it's just a complete eco disaster. And so I went to a tick-borne disease conference and I was asking them questions about, well, you know, would this level of radiation cause mutations and, and the two scientists who know a lot about ticks, they said, wait, wait a minute. They didn't do that experiment. I said, yeah, they did. What? You know, so here are people who are tick specialists, and they didn't even know about this dangerous tick experiment. You know, well, there's a whole they, world. They there's, a, there's a tick conference. <laughs> like everybody's showing up at a tick conference, like TickCon or something like that. Oh it's in Vegas. Well, you didn't know it was in Vegas? No, that, that was the American Society of Rickettsologists. <laughs> so it's people who study trench fever and wow. Q fever and uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So those are all rickettsias. And so that is the other big discovery is Willie Bergdorfer, who at age 56, he was a made man in science because he discovered the causative bacterium between but that causes Lyme disease is called, they named it after him, Borrelia burgdorferi. <laughs> you know, he tells me in person that he believes that it wasn't the spirochete that was making people sick. It was this other rickettsia. So that's, to me, that's the big find, but it hasn't been proved by the scientist or believed by the scientists yet. That's why I went to that conference to try to get some people to start sequencing it, um, sequencing the stuff in the ticks. Wow. But, uh, you know, it's, that, I mean, that was the most credible thing because Willie Bergdorfer, who has the most to lose, was saying the whole cluster of diseases out there is because of a bio. How was that received? Bio, what? How was that received? Yeah. Um, you mean when I published the book? Uh, yeah. Well, and when you you know you presented it to them, uh, you know for oh you at mean the at the at the convention? Yeah, at, right. Oh, at the yeah. conference. Well, I mean they they first didn't believe that those. Lone Star experiments happened, you know, but then, then they looked it up probably. Um, I would say one researcher at Columbia has started 
genetically sequencing all the organisms inside the ticks instead of just like we have this hyper focus on Lyme disease, even though that's not the worst tick-borne disease. There are other tick-borne diseases that can be transmitted along with the Lyme that can kill you in 14 days. But the whole, you know, I believe the whole uh, celebration of the Lyme spirochete, oh, here's this horrible disease, and now the government has solved it, and we're the heroes, and Willie's the hero. I think that was a, a misdirection so that people wouldn't look into the other things. So, so that's part of, like, what's wrong with tick-borne diseases now is we're not paying attention to the other deadly germs in the ticks that my, may or may not have been weaponized. So when you when you discover this, this um, what was it called, the radioactive Lone Star tick uh, experiment, and they're, like, making these radioactive ticks, and then they're releasing it. Like, did, did, you, did you talk to anybody that would tell you what was their goal when they did that? Like, were they like, we just want everybody to be radioactive and, and die? I mean, like, well, what is the purpose of that? Well, isn't the Lone Star one the one that makes you allergic to meat? Yes. Was that the goal? Is the goal to, I mean, I don't know why they want no. people to be vegetarians. Of yeah. Well. No, the goal was if we drop, uh, if we drop several boxes or release several boxes of ticks in the Soviet Union, uh, how far will they travel per month? So we know the impact of our bomb. Just like if we were to drop a regular traditional bomb, we would take a satellite picture and say, oh, this, you know, yeah, this yeah. blew up 10 city blocks. Yeah. But, but, but we're going to do the experiment in our own yeah, country that's first. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, think about it, dude. They did it. I mean, they've dropped radio. I mean, they did it in the damn desert. Remember with the nukes? Yeah. yeah. yeah so there you go. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite, uh, this is this has been out before my book, was called Operation Big Itch. So they were testing to see how many fleas they needed to cover a battalion-sized area. So they, their test facility is Dugway in Utah, uh, 50 miles as the crow flies from Salt Lake City. So they took uninfected, uninfected fleas in uh, these uh, munitions, and they dropped them from planes, and the, each little piles of, of fleas were in these little tubes and at a certain altitude, the tubes had an incendiary device and they would explode and then rain fleas down on an area. So on the desert floor, they drew bullseye circles and at various areas, various spaces, they had live guinea pigs, you know? So after that experiment, then the technicians would come out in their bunny suits and they'd take the bunnies back to the lab and they count how many, or guinea pigs and count how many fleas were on them. So in this experiment, they, they dropped about, I think a half a million fleas on this test grid. Wow. And they said, we picked off 147 fleas off the guinea pigs. So therefore this experiment is a success. And the other, you know, 508, hundreds of thousands of fleas, hopped off into the desert. Oh, my uh, God. And, and in that experiment, the people on the, the airplane all got fl flea bites because I guess they didn't package them. Good. <laughs> Unbelievable. So here's one thing you said down there. There are uh, document, documentation you discovered of military studies where live disease-causing bacteria, some of which can be spread by ticks, they were sprayed from planes, boats, and vehicles. Not on guinea pigs. 
but on unsuspecting American, the unsuspecting American public. Our own government is like on experimenting on their own people. Like, like we saw that in St. Louis, they did that. They did like they they were spraying the skies with diseases to see how the St. Louis, the the city of St. Louis, would react. Oh my God! What was uh, documentation? What kind of documentation did you find? Uh, let's see. Well, uh, there there are well there are well publicized. Uh, live bacterial studies. I think the most outrageous one that I covered in my book, but I didn't break this story. I just sort of fleshed it out more and retold it with new information. And that is the, the subway experiments. So the CIA, um, the CIA guys in uh, Dietrich were trying to get more funding from Congress. So they said, well, we want to do a vulnerability study in a couple places to prove to you how vulnerable we are and we need more money. So they filled a light bulb with this bacteria that they thought at the time was harmless to humans. They put it in a light bulb and then one guy dropped the light bulb um, in New York City over one of those grates over the subway and it shattered and the bacteria in the light bulb was sucked by a passing train throughout the whole New York City (laughs) subway system. And the CIA had about 20 people with sniffers and they were disguised in like camera cases and purses and briefcases. And they had people stationed all around the subway program, subway tubes. And they said they reported back to Congress. Well, if this had been anthrax instead of a simulant, uh, most of New York City would have been sick, you know. And so that scared Congress. And then Congress gave them more money and then they could hire more people like Willie Bergdorfer. They also did that in Pennsylvania's, um, in Pennsylvania um, tunnels on the Pennsylvania in the Turnpike, they did it at the Pentagon. They did it uh, at National Airport. They did it on boats that were cruising um, past San Francisco Bay, and they were using a, an anthrax simulant there that they said was harmless, but it did kill one person at Stanford Hospital, and it made some other people sick. So, so, I mean, the, the point of my book is still most of the documentation for these programs are secret and we need the government to release them so that we can make amends for this damage they've done, you know, hey, either where the people are still sick now. Hey, Chris, uh, are or, these in, yeah. in, 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 in what you've uh, researched? Are most of the people involved, especially on the on the science side? I'm not, you know, I'm sure the administrative people are probably the people at the top of these bureaucracies are probably pretty evil folks. But are these, in your experience, patriots? Are they are they more just interested in the scientific value and they're just happy they get to play around with a budget? Uh, what what are are they? I mean, are some of them actually just like evil people? What what, what was your experience there? I, I would imagine most of them are just scientists yeah. who are kind of happy to have a budget to play with. Is that right? Well have scientists and most of them weren't read into the the higher purpose. They're all compartmentalized. You know, so Ohio state uh, was told, okay, you know, get 67 monkeys and we're going to have you aerosolize the rickettsia that causes Rocky mountain spotted fever. And just tell us what dose kills them and how fast they die. These monkeys. So, and uh, they say the reason we're doing that is we just want to make sure when people work with rickettsias that 
they, you know, they use safe lab precautions so they don't breathe in the particles, you know, so they, they, they framed it in a safety, you know, they wrapped it in a safety story instead of, oh yeah, Dietrich was weaponizing Rocky Mountain spotted fever, the most deadly tick-borne disease. And you said that was Ohio State? So they didn't know, except for Willie did because he came in really early in the program and he actually worked for months at a time at Dietrich. So he was working side by side with the paperclip Germans, with the entomological warfare division. So he saw the bigger picture. How much of this work is done by like research institutions like that versus like in-house in the government? Is a lot of it done, like farmed out like that? To... Uh, it, to 50 of the top universities were involved in the biological weapons program, including wow. Stanford, where <laughs> I worked. You know, that was the aerosol, aerosol program. We perfected spraying live bacteria oh. and detecting it. Is there even plausible uh, so deniability at that point? didn't know it. They universities know it, needed money, and they just said, sure, we won't ask questions. We see <laughs> that over said, and over again. Should they have said, had questions, though? Ask- like, reasonably? Or could, could they? What? Should they have been reasonably expected to have doubts about their purpose? I mean, would a would a an intelligent person have doubts about their purpose? Like, what are we doing this for? Yeah, like, exactly. what's I mean, the I mean, good that could come from this? Do you, do you think that most of them probably knew and they just had plausible deniability and that was enough? Yeah, because if you will, I, I asked him, why didn't you ask more? And he says, well, so I could sleep at night. Okay. Uh, well, I and get they needed that. a job and... And it was interesting work. And certainly some good things came out of that research. Uh, you know, things like uh, uh, <laughs> our monoclonal antibodies. So we learned how to manipulate E. coli so that we can deliver, you know, good molecules to the body to cure cancer. So, you know, some we learn more about biology, but, you know, don't ask, don't tell. And so Willie joined... In 51, and I think 52 or 53, Frank Olson in the, who ran the biological weapons program, and he's the guy who was dosed with LSD and supposedly fell out of a, the stack. Yeah, hotel. yeah, yeah. There's a so whole Will, so Willie, Willie knew there were implications to talking. Yep. You know? Yep, yep. Yeah, for sure. And this secret CEO, I totally believe it. People always go, hey, man. Uh, you know, all these people are in on it? Well, man, what if they take this oath? Man, they can't lie or somebody dies. Well, and then like she said, too, uh, so many, you know, it's compartmentalized. So, yeah. so many of these people don't, don't actually know what they're working on, you know, yeah. relative to the other people involved. Yeah, so you have, to t- you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Some people knew, some people didn't. Like the Tick guy who released the Lone Stars, he knew. He, he was being funded by the Army and the Atomic Energy Commission, and he worked in Dietrich on safety issues, working with ticks. He worked in uh, the Naval Research Unit in Cairo where they were doing a lot of the weapons, biological weapons stuff. So he knew, but he would never admit it to me. I I would uh, fight him for charity. If he's still alive, (laughs) I'll fight him. Name the charity. I'll fight him. Proceeds go to that. um, Real quick. So uh, obviously uh, you say the Lyme disease was kind of like a, it got out of hand. It kind of was an accident. Would you say the same thing happened with the coronavirus on Wuhan, where it just kind of skipped out? Would you even say it's a biological weapon? Well, I think nobody knows because China's the most secretive government. Yeah. Uh, there may be. But, you know, if you look at the anthrax mailings, now with the power of DNA, we can tell exactly what flask, you know, 
that anthrax yeah. came from in who so-and-so's freezer. And we can trace the history, just like 23andMe. We can tell, oh, your relatives came up from Africa and went through France. You know, So we can tell where it came from. And maybe your government knows, maybe they don't. Maybe it started in North Carolina where they were working <laughs> on bat viruses and then the Chinese guys went over there. So, But if I just look at it from the 10,000-foot view, because I spent five years thinking about is the Lyme outbreak natural or unnatural? I read a lot. I talked to people and I read a lot of articles. And, you know, there's this one paper that I referenced in the book. There were eight clues to an unnatural disease outbreak. And, you know, the, the top three were um, it was, uh, is there a point source where it started? Well, Wuhan started in Wuhan. Lyme disease started in Lyme disease and in Wisconsin. Is it an unusual disease? Yeah, I think we all agree COVID is Freaky mm-hmm. strange. It is strange. Uh, yeah. has it. He, after two months, he can't smell still. Uh, mm-hmm. And then does it have a high sickness mortality rate? And I think we're seeing that. So those would be the top three clues, and we see all those. So if I were a person in charge of biosecurity in the U.S., I would want to get down to the bottom of that and know who's responsible. And but um, So your book, there are critics of, of it, right? Uh, there's been a, a gentleman out there who is a, he's a professor or a veterinary professor. He's a a veterinarian professor, yeah, at a university in Boston. And he says some of your your theories are uh, conspiracy theories, which I love. Um, But what are your thoughts on what he's saying? Well, that was... That was sort of disillusioning because I tried so hard over five years to really be to really uh, say what I knew and and tie those to concrete facts and documentation and then what I didn't know. And, you know, then the the message of the book is scientists need to it's not my job to prove this, but here's enough clues where scientists can run with it and help fix this huge tick-borne disease problem. But anyways, he just wrote this op ed about 800 words saying you know, the idea that the Lyme, Lyme disease uh, could be a biological weapon was, you know, conspiracy theory. And then he went on and just, he teaches biosecurity at this university, so you'd think he'd be informed, but he went on and, and said, like, at least four things that were absolutely wrong. And I was upset, and so I called him, and I said, hey, professor, you know, uh, I noticed you were dissing my book. Did you actually read it? And he goes, oh, no, I don't have time to read books. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I said, it's okay. just unbelievable. He, he probably had, he probably had a, a toddy or two. And I said, well, do you have time? Can I just go through and just go through the, the things I found? And so he said, sure, sure. And then I, you know, I told him the things he got wrong. And I said, well, would you like me to send you a book so you can read more? I mean, because he does teach biosecurity and I was revealing the secret history of this part of the biological weapons program that no one knew. And he goes, Oh no, I just shred it. You know? So anyway, I, I typed Oh, he said he the, didn't read it. Well, and he then shredded, he said, I think he said he'd shred it. Oh, yeah. just, like an asshole. It's like religion, man. That's it's, probably it's like religion. That, yeah. That's pretty rude. I mean, like you, that's yeah, a so lot of energy. I, so then I call, I contact the science editor <laughs> at the Washington post and say, Hey, you know, I just had this conversation and they hadn't fact-checked it, and all they had to do was call me, you know? And I said, well, can you take this down? And it linked to my book. And she goes, oh, no, this is an op-ed. 
he can say anything he wants. <laughs> but at least she removed the link to my book. Uh, but by that time, the news aggregators, yeah. that op-ed had spread. It was free news, you know, and it had spread across the Internet. I couldn't put that genie back in the bottle. And um, and it, then I, then I uh, you know, did my journalistic research on the professor, and it turns out both his parents were uh, – their employment – for their whole careers was army counterintelligence. His dad, his Project dad Mockingbird. worked, his dad worked, uh, was a vet too, worked dissecting jackrabbits, um, in the nuclear blast zone of the Nevada nuclear tests. So, and then he's, his research is funded for rabbit fever, which is on the biological, the biological weapons list of the U S government, you know, so he's being paid by the government to study a biological agent. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like he's uh, <laughs> there's some conflict of interest going on here. Needless to say, needless to say. So, uh, we have a Congressman named Chris Smith. He is, uh, looking to, uh, do an investigation. I always find this interesting because I, I love, the idea, I love the um, sentiment to do that, right? But right, like the, like full disclosure, fifty year old stuff. Let's disclose it. The, all those people are dead who made those decisions. Exactly. But do you think they'll do it? I mean, do you think a congressman could get the CIA, FBI, military industrial complex secrets out there? Just. Seems like that's such a big thing to do, and it's just like. But if if they were to sit there and say that they did it, now they have to give people money. Yeah, exactly. That's what they don't want. Well, it's not well, only why would that. The government it's want just that? like it, it will erode. Uh, it will give away secrets to the enemy. It's a, there's so much. It's like there's this guy in Britain that wants to. Uh, dissolve the royalty. Like, good luck getting that going. <laughs> but I'm like, I am for it. I mean, when when Trump released all that documents, there was a very interesting document in there that George Bush Sr. was in Dallas that day, which he had denied forever. I'm down for full discussion. I do not know. The problem with Washington right now is we've allowed treasonous people to sit in office with no accountability. We, we, we basically in, in Washington, DC, we have taxation without representation right now. We have, we have, we have politicians that do not do the will of the people who vote them in and they have no fear of us. And I think that we need as human beings need to understand that there is a, a part of, uh, of the power structure in America that does not have the people's best interest and actually have done stuff to, the people that should be considered war crimes. You should get fired. If you break your own rules, you should get fired. Well, that'd be great. I mean, we yeah, don't, I mean, you don't fire politicians, but they should be voted out of office and tried. I mean, I would like that. I mean, we need to start pushing back on this stuff. It's super sad, man. What do you think is going to happen with that? Do you think this gentleman, uh, Chris Smith, has a chance at getting anything moving? Well, he he tried to put it he put it in as an amendment in the last two years of the defense budget. It got the investigation got pulled along with the UFO dis disclosures uh, on December 15th. So it didn't make it into this bill. But the last two years have been really strange. And Chris Smith claims he's going to try and, 
get it through the investigation through Congress um, as a standalone bill. So my fingers are crossed. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath and I continue to investigate, like to try to get more details on, you know, what was released where, because I think it saves research dollars and it helps people figure out what's wrong with them. So do you think anyone, I mean, I would love to see if the government will admit that they created Lyme disease as a bioweapon. I would love to, I would love to know that. Well, I, I think it was the other germs that you could mass produce, but you know, I think the, probably the Lyme Sparky was a hitchhiker on one of the other, you know, in the batches of ticks they released. So the, you know, it's been around for a while, but somehow there's a more virulent version now and it may have been introduced you know, in some of these experiments. So I'm just trying to peg, you know, find evidence so we know exactly, if, you know, if it's true or not. And then hopefully the disease will get more respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it scares the shit out of me. When I saw they said there were ticks there, I wouldn't go. I'm, I'm not going in there. Just, I'm not going to get uh, bit by tick for the CW. Anybody <laughs> you know who's been Maybe. infected with Lyme disease? Uh, I mean, they, the way they speak of it is just, I mean, it's devastating to your life. Johnny, you live in North Carolina. Is it common? Over there, like yeah, a lot. I, mean, like, I don't even know Carolina, one person. It's not too with bad. It. It's real. It, I mean, it's quite bad. You know, in the in the Northeast, that's where. But it's yeah. It started to make its way down the the Atlantic coast, as I understand it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty bad in the Carolinas now. There's still a lot of denial that the problem is as big as it is. I, I on my website, which is chrisnewby.com, I'm about to post a new map that sort of so, shows the spread since it was a notifiable disease, which How is far in south is it now? Oh. Yeah. Is it all the way so, down to Florida? Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, the big message I give to people is take these diseases separate. Um, seriously, if you pull out a tick, save the tick, put it in a baggie with a piece of damp towel, paper towel, and then send it into your local health agency or one of the commercial labs who will test it for practically nothing and you'll get results on everything that's in that tick not just lyme disease oh my what you know, the god human testing the human testing for lyme disease is expensive doesn't work reliably in the first month and you won't know you know all the other diseases that might be in the tick can kill you there's powassan virus yeah. dead in two weeks rocky mountain spotted fever <laughs> coma 14 days you know so uh aside from medical lyme remedies isn't worse Aside from medical but, remedies, what other, I mean, is there, is there like, uh, uh, animal, like wildlife management that can help? I mean, is there other ways to limit the spread? Like tick, tick man, I mean, uh, deer management, uh, or, I mean, is there a way to limit ticks other than just, uh, limiting wildlife? Yeah. At this point, the epidemic is spread where it has, you have to fight a multi-front war against it. So clear the leaf litter and vegetation around your house. You know, especially if you have kids that are me crawling around, um, you can, uh, you know, make sure maybe they're wearing clothes that are tick resistant. The pets are a big vector these days. So make sure your pets have um, you know, tick collars or they take the tick flea re- resistant pills, heartworm pills, because now all our animals end up in bed with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you've been in, <laughs> yeah, if you've been in the tick woods, uh, wash your clothes on high heat after you go out in the woods because I mean I think that's how I got it. We did tick checks every day on Martha's Vineyard, but we rewore the same clothes 
And I think the chicks were on the clothes or they had dogs that jumped on the beds. Oh, so, uh, so there's been some, there's some people out there. They, they don't think ticks are fast enough. What are your thoughts on that? What do you mean? They're not fast. They're enough? not fast uh, enough to be like a bioweapon. Like, oh, you know, okay. oh, the tick diseases. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the Lyme disease, uh, it was, so the thing you have to know about the military is they had in the, in the bug born weapons or in the biological weapons program, they wanted fast killing agents and they wanted s- slow, chronically disabling oh agents. So they do, they, you know, they had two tracks for their objectives. So the science, you know, some scientists work on the really fatal diseases, which would be, um, tularemia and anthrax mixed with toxins and, and then, you know, the chronic disabling diseases were the equine encephalitis and to some extent tularemia and, uh, you know, the ticks. And they said, you know, ticks and fleas are the perfect stealth weapon. You can't get fingerprints off those and say, oh, those are the Russians. You know, like yeah. if the Russians drop a bomb, you can, you know, forensically sort through and say, oh, this wire, this detonator comes from them. With, with insects, you just can't tell, especially if you choose the insects you know, carefully. Oh, just unbelievable, man. I know, uh, thing is the, is it, I think it's Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates. He is, uh, he's in, he's like really anti deer because he had Lyme disease. He has Lyme disease. And he, he, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like aggressively anti deer. Like he goes just on this publicity tour saying like, fuck deer, you know, we got to kill the deer. They're, they, you know, they're just, they're rat giant rats that spread Lyme disease. Uh, is it is it true that deer imagine are... going to see private eyes, private <laughs> eyes, watching you? <laughs> fuck the deer! What the deer? Bambi fucked them. Jesse's girl. You know, no, <laughs> that's not. That's okay. Not go on. Sorry, uh, that was a bad joke. What it, are they? I mean, are they the most concerning vector for uh, for Lyme disease for for ticks, uh, tick-borne illnesses? Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, for deer ticks. They're the worst because that's where the ticks overwinter. Winter, you know, they they they're on a nice warm deer. That's where they have sex, so the females can lay their three thousand eggs. Three thousand uh, eggs, holy shit! So, and, yeah, I mean, but the spread of ticks isn't just because of human experiments. It's global warming because they aren't killed off in the winter. It's that people are living in the woods closer to deer, and then also we've let the deer populations go yeah. completely crazy. And then right after the bioweapons program ended in 72, we banned DDT. So DDT might have been sort of, it might have been giving us cancers, but at least it was keeping the ticks under control. So, you know, it's just nature is complicated. And and when humans get into the most trouble is they think they can control nature and they can't. Nature always wins. Do you think over time uh, they could reach Mexico or Canada or has there been any cases out there? Uh, I know. Uh, was it the temperature that would change it if they were like to go to south of the border? Or is it too cold in Canada? She's worried about his family. Yeah, I really yeah. am. So Canada, well, Canada had a very active bioweapons program. Willie actually went up there to learn learn the art and science of it when he first got here. And uh, they did around Ontario. They did a lot of open air testing. <laughs> I heard on the re- India reservation, Indian oh, reservation. Of course, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, but. I mean, again, that's why we need to know, you know, 
see those old documents, but uh, Mexico Mexico has a huge rickettsia problem. I mean, basically, before we started messing with ticks, a tick there'd be like one major tick in an area because it would adapt itself perfectly to that environment, and then the, the germs inside would adapt itself to living in that kind of tick, and and then the humans you know, who had been living with those ticks since the Mayflower arrived, you know, they were pretty much immune. But what happened with the with the biowarfare program and then people traveling so much is you have chaos theory, you know, and everything's out of balance. So anyways, the Riquetio, yeah, the Riquetio problem in Mexico is really big. And uh, there's a CDC study if you want to read about it. Which uh, you mentioned that. You- the, big, the big problem are stray dogs. In Mexico, stray dogs if you domesticate the dogs and put tick collars on them, then your tick-borne disease problem goes away. Which which ticks are, are most common uh, in in the U.S. like in the like in the Carolinas and north of there? Or is it deer ticks that are most common? Uh, I mean, well, that have now, Lyme disease rather. Now, because of the Lone Star t- before before World War II, the Lone Star ticks were way south, pretty much Florida. In Texas, and now they're moving way up, up the the Atlantic coast, and and there there are a lot of lone stars in uh, the Carolinas, but they don't cover they don't carry Lyme disease. They carry uh, mostly Rocky Mountain spotted fever and other viruses. Which which ticks are most commonly most the, the Lyme disease carrying ticks? Which which of those is the most common? Those which are the species? deer tick. Those are deer ticks. Only deer ticks. Are there other species? Uh, well, there's a lime-like bug in the Lone Stars, but I don't. Okay, not much is known about that. Yeah, not a lot of research, like you said. All right. We're living. Right. I mean, really, the tick-borne diseases hardly have any research dollars um, compared to. It's such a pity. Why is it? Is it because? Function. Is it because the? Is it because the symptoms are sort of non-specific, you know, and vary from individual? Oh, to like individual? they don't kill you, like ninety-nine percent. And they're not instantaneous. They're not like a two-week infection sort of thing. Is that yeah, why there's not a lot of money? Yeah, Not enough body bags. You know, you yeah. look at COVID and people are dying, so of course more money is going to get thrown at it. Uh, it's a chronic disabling disease and non-specific symptoms, so it's hard to get people excited about. I mean, Congress would be more willing to throw money at erectile dysfunction. I think. <laughs> yeah, they all need it. It has to be real to someone. It's unbelievable, shocking episode, shocking. Chris Newby, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Your book is triggered. Where can they find it? Well, it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, directly from the publisher Harper Collins. Uh, it's in audio and Kindle versions. It's in paperback now, so it won't break the bank. Uh, and then you can also watch my film, which is under our skin about sort of the page perspective of the Lyme disease epidemic and the politics and the money. And that's uh, free if you have a subscription to Amazon Prime. And that's called Under Our Skin. Boom. 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 What? Bitten. Bitten. Not triggered. I said triggered? I said bitten. I said bitten. <laughs> You're hearing stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you have any social media or website you'd like them to see? You'd like them to check out? Uh, I My website, www.chrisnewby.com with a K, it has a really great map that shows the spread of Lyme disease. And then it's got a lot of the, under the images banner, it's got a lot of the uh, images of the old Cold War 
program, you know, the doctor know the, the eight ball, the ticks being force fed diseases. It's, it's really cool. And Willie Shock. Bergdorfer, uh, you know, looking at microscopes. Yeah. Shocking. She ruined that word for me. Eight ball. Can't see it the same anymore. <laughs> see, that's what they do. They take great things like eight ball. Everyone loves an eight ball and they turn it into something horrible. It sucks. It just sucks. Thank you, Chris, sorry, for coming. Sorry, but hopefully I've distracted you for an hour from. Oh no, you're great. <laughs> no, you were great. Our, government, our democracy crumbling. At least I distracted you. You were great. This is what people need to hear, so that they can go. You know, oh, oh man, trust the science. I'm, th- you know, somebody's. Uh, I'm. I'll talk about that later. But you know, I just like people need to know scientists. Like they're human beings. They, they they obviously want money. They want prestige. They want to mate out of their league. They, all that stuff. <laughs> so it's like they, you know, it's just like they're fallible, right? Yep. So it's like we're stop acting human, like they're, yeah, we're all humans, man. I'm sorry, you were the best, Chris. I appreciate you uh, coming on. Good luck with your book and uh, happy new year. And thank you for doing Tim Fall Hat. All right. Thanks very much. Take care, everybody. We love you. Go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.